Welcome to The Herd Mentality, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, at Adam Reeks on Twitter, and it's time to meet our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Herd Mentality, and with me today I have at Secular Lad, who's uh, not Secular Bloke's son, in no way related whatsoever, we can tell this from the accent. Secular Lad, hello. Hello, Adam. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where are you from? Uh, I am from England, ex-Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts um, in England? Sort of in between Bristol and Bath. Ah, oh, so, so, well, you're not far from Franco Soup. You know what? I've just made a massive mistake. I'm that nervous. Uh, I'm <laughs> in between Bristol and Birmingham. Oh, <laughs> the other way. Okay. We, we, the we'll other let, way, yeah. Look, don't worry about this. I'll edit that out. I won't yeah, really. I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it in there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness. They have JWs in England. Yeah, there's, um, there's plenty of us. Yeah, right. And that's how we got in touch with each other. Yeah, I, uh, I saw you reading up about JWs and... Uh, and uh, decided that I would offer my services as an XJW to uh, maybe explain some things that people don't know and give my experience. I guess. Yeah, right. Well, thank you for coming on. So how XJW are you? Uh, it was only a year ago that I, um, I sort of decided that I no longer believed that it was the truth. So you came to that conclusion overnight, or was this a, a long-term thing? Well, I've always had certain questions, um, and they were, they were always smaller questions, things that... Um, that I could, I could kind of shrug off as not being important to the overall, the bigger picture, mm. so to speak. So it confused me, for example, that there was uh, a spinning sword outside of the Garden of Eden, but it didn't make too much difference to me because although wars hadn't been invented and therefore swords wouldn't have been invented, it, it was probably just something. There would be an explanation. And I never got one, but I, I always assumed that it, it, this isn't that important. But then one day... Uh, I remember reading the Noah's account, Noah's Ark account, and uh, and it wasn't uh, sort of the atrocity of uh, mass genocide of the human race that did it um, for me. That made me question it. It was um, at the end of the story. It said that God gave the rainbow to promise um, that He would never flood the world again, and I sort of I just had a thought, just one thought that was that sounds a lot like people that didn't understand how rainbows are formed trying to explain rainbows. And uh, I guess that was kind of, that was the start of the questioning. Mm. And uh, it went on from there. And yeah. Once you begin no. to analyze the theories and all the, the stories within, mm-hmm. it begins to fall apart. Things begin to crumble. Abs- absolutely. And all the old things that, that I'd maybe thought before, but never criticized or, or looked at skeptically, um, they came to the forefront. And I was, yeah, they, they became bigger issues. But I wasn't willing to sort of throw it all in straight away. I, I, um, I looked into things, and, and a lot of things there are answers. There are answers to um, the witnesses are, are uh, fairly logical. When you look at looking at the Bible, you can you can reason out the things that the, the witnesses believe um, almost absolutely. But when you start to look at things scientifically, things don't add up. <laughs> hmm. What resources did you lean on at the time? Um, so at the time, there's um, there's a CD-ROM, as it's known, um, the Watchtower Library and Track Society on on the computer, and it. It basically links all of your, like, the Bible to the, to the watchtowers, and then you can look at different sources from other books and publications that, that they've produced. And I was using that mainly. And I got to a point where I wasn't, I was reading the things, and I wasn't accepting them anymore. Things about free will and determin- determination especially. I just couldn't follow the logic of, of it, of what the witnesses believed. So I started to, against all uh, advice that's ever given you, 
I started to look at more secular things. I, I, I was looking at, I remember one of the first people that I came across was uh, Christopher Hitchens, uh, his debates against uh, somebody Turk, I can't remember who it was, and I hadn't got a clue sort of about um, logical fallacies or, or any debating techniques. Yeah, so, the, see, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, from what I understand, are a very insular community. Uh, exceptionally, exceptionally. Yeah. I asked for a study. I started feeling less, less spiritually strong, not deconverted, but less spiritually strong. And uh, I asked for a study. And I asked for my questions to sort of be answered by by an elder who I respected a lot. Um, and he's a very intelligent man. Um, but he would he would put the small things sort of to one side. But because they were in my head, no longer small things. These were things that I, I couldn't I couldn't just brush aside. Hmm. Um, and so so that that made a difference. And and as as you you don't want to look at secular sources as a witness because you're, you're told so many times over and over again that you can't look at what's called apostate material, which is anything which goes against the witness's view of either the Bible or the things that they teach at all. Apostate so material, that, that there's, there's a lot of apostate material out there. <laughs> well, anything in, in a scientific journal pretty much would be considered apostate, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but there, there are a lot of ex-witnesses that um, really go to town in showing why the witnesses are wrong. Mm. I had the JWs pop around to my place for coffee uh, several mm-hmm. times, in fact. That's right. And <laughs> they probably I had... kept calling on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did. But He's they're... interested. <laughs> they give me, the, the, I think they've given me a bit of breathing room now because, I, and I wasn't aware of this at the time, they couldn't read apostate material because I've got nothing but no. apostate material <laughs> yep, at, absolutely. Uh, in the herd mentality dungeon <laughs> and wanted to give them a run through on you know, what it's like out there in the real world. But I did happen to know that the Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate birthdays. And yep. I, pu- I pulled this up and the guy actually looked really sad. I felt really sorry for him. Tell me, yeah. more, tell me more about that. So birthdays are... Um, I was just talking to my dad about this tonight, actually. But birthdays have um, certain paganistic roots that the Witnesses don't want to any part of. I've got the reasoning book here, which is the book they've probably showed you, maybe? Um, Did get that out at all? I got about 30 books and uh, brochures and magazines okay. off them. Wow, <laughs> and that I'm, sounds about right. I've, give, <laughs> I've given them the best shot I can Yeah. in the time I had. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't recall that one specifically. Okay, well, the reasoning book is the one that they use on the ministry if they don't know the answer to a question. So... Rather than me saying roughly what I remember, I, I can read a, read little portions of, of this, if you like, to sort of give people an idea. Mm. Um, so it's, it's the customs that surround birthdays as much as anything. So it says, and this is a quote, The various customs with which people today celebrate their birthdays have a long history. Their origins lie in the realm of magic and religion. The mm. customs of offering congratulations, presenting gifts, and celebrating complete with lighted candles in ancient times were meant to protect the birthday celebrant from the demons and to ensure his security for the coming year. What they're really saying here is that by not giving birthday presents and, and these rituals, you're not protected from these demons. <laughs> That's what they want. They don't want you protected. No, I'm joking. They, um, <laughs> they don't believe in um, demons in that way, in, in the way of a demon being able to possess somebody that is a believer. Does mm. that make sense? If, if you're strong in, in what is known as the truth, being a strong witness with a close relationship to Jehovah, you, you wouldn't be able to be attacked by the demons. That's one of the teachings. So, Have you, have you ever met somebody who's been attacked by a demon? <laughs> Not attacked. I, I know people that have said they've had um, 
contact with demons in like chairs flying across rooms and things falling through the ceiling. <laughs> that kind the, of thing. This but just no sounds like uh, domestic it's... violence, not <laughs> not so much demons. <laughs> exactly. No, they they believe they believe that that happens, but they don't believe that witnesses can be possessed, so to speak. Mm. But so, I know I know plenty that claim that uh, that this happens. Mm. So you're quite young. Yeah. And you still live at home. You're a dependent upon your parents, who are both Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. How's that going? <sighs> well, it is difficult. I, I also have a younger sister um, who I'm more worried about than, than them in, a, in, in certain ways. But, but it, they obviously are curious as to what I believe and why I believe it now, uh, which is not in a God. <laughs> um, and, and they kind of, they wonder how that's happened. So they, they'll often ask me questions. Um, my dad is, is more He's closed-minded, but he's he's open to the the opinion. Mm-hmm. Whereas my mum's more like, I'll say something like, I can't believe in Adam and Eve because evolution is as close to a fact as as we can expect beyond reasonable doubt. And she'll go off about how evolution isn't a fact and saying that monkeys never give birth to, to human babies. And is she a on. fan of Ray Comfort's work? It's it's exactly the same in the witnesses um, as as Ray Comfort's view. It's uh, it can't be true because you, you can't prove it. You can't do it in front of me right now. And <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a completely twisted view of evolution. Like they're they're right about what they say about it. Like there's no way that these things can happen. But that's because you've got you've been taught the wrong thing. This isn't this is not what evolution says. And I'm going to try and explain that to you. Hmm. But explaining it to them can be like stabbing yourself in in the eye with a nail. It, it just just doesn't doesn't go really go anywhere with my with my mum especially. She's um. Hmm. She's not so open to, to any uh, any sort of idea about evolution. Um, so, so how's the relationship with your parents changed? Hmm. Um, in a weird way, I think my mum respects me more um, from the day I told her that, that I didn't believe in God. She knew I was serious about it. She knew that wasn't the kind of thing that, that I would say if I didn't truly believe it or think it. And she's, she's told me that she respects me for sort of standing by that, in a sense. Hmm. Um, which is which is good, but at the same time, there's there's a lot of contention there, during arguments. They'll get if you you know if you don't want the witnesses anymore, you should just leave. And she said something quite uh, quite nasty to me the other day, which which I was um, pretty upset about. I, I we talked about why I didn't disassociate myself, which is the same as disfellowshipping, except you don't do anything wrong. You just say I don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore, mm. and that's the the quote unquote correct course to take. The um, the honourable course to take, mm. but that would mean that none of my family or friends would be able to speak to me. And I said that to her. I said I couldn't disassociate myself because I still love everybody so much. You know, all my old friends, even though they don't talk to me as, as much anymore. Mm. I, See, atheists still, have feelings too. Yeah, atheists have feelings too. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to tweet that. It's um, <laughs> a good. She said to me that I I deserved nobody to talk to me. Um, sort of mid mid argument about evolution and and creation accounts and and all sorts of other things that I don't agree with anymore. That's, um, that's some powerful that really indoctrination from a, yeah. from a religious viewpoint. Yeah. If you can encourage somebody to do that, where yeah. it's built to a point where it'll break families, if yeah, one person I mean, changes I their be, opinion. If hmm. I'd done that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to talk to her. I mean, if I moved out, which obviously is, is a possibility, I, a young adult, but 
if I moved out, I would never be able to talk to her again or, or my dad again or my little sister or, or anybody that I'd ever known. And that is, for her to, to say that is, was um, exceptionally difficult to, to sort of deal with. Like, I, you don't really get trained to, to cope with that kind of thing coming from, from your own mother's mm. mouth. That, that would be incredibly difficult to process. Mm-hmm. There was a yeah. recent episode on a far superior podcast called The Thinking Atheist with Seth yes. Andrews. Yes. where he interviews several ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. and one of them has set up several support networks. Yeah. Are you aware of these? Uh, I am I am aware of these. Um, I also spoke to somebody on um, one of the Dogma Debate episodes, and, and he spoke about uh, a, an ex-witness, um, I think a Jehovah, Jehovah's Dash, Jehovah Dash Witnesses or something, and, and, um, and there's a support group there. I'm still partially indoctrinated, too. I, I don't want to speak to people that... <laughs> would uh like angry apostate i still don't i still don't want to sort of mingle with them and i know it's indoctrination <laughs> i mm. do know that it's indoctrination but it's, it's having a lasting repercussion on you yeah. in the same way that uh child abuse Health. would yeah yeah ex-catholics may be able to associate the fear of hell even after you've given up uh, the belief in god you, you still might be afraid of hell it's it's that kind of thing mm. entirely and part of me wants wants to keep because because I'm not disassociated because I'm not disfellowshipped I can still speak to witnesses sort of every now and again I have to have very limited com- um, contact with with anybody from the congregation it has to be limited or else I put myself in a position to get disfellowship but when I do speak to people and they say the the reason that you left was probably because of some hard time that I was going through because my last few years have been have been a bit rough and you just want to sin maybe um, and that kind of thing I I like to be able to take a bit of a moral high ground and be able to say no you know i'm not actually sinning at all I, you know i'm not doing any of the things that that you prohibit um other than maybe drinking a bit too much like that's that's as far as i'd, I'd probably go you're a young um, english man so I'm yeah young english. <laughs> we are all like hitch we all like whiskey and <laughs> that kind of alcohol um yeah, so, so it's nice to be able to take a little bit of moral high ground. Like, no, I'm not talking to, you know, I'm not talking to apostates, um, ex-Jehovah's Witness apostates anyway. I guess I, I want to still be able to say that, but but you're right. Um, I should I should really look into it and, and try and get myself some, some support. You make some good new friends, at the very least. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody on the Twitter sphere is um, is pretty awesome. I've made, uh, made a few good friends on there. Well, well, let's talk about that. What are your impressions of the atheist community overall? Uh, absolutely fantastic. You spoke about um, the atheist experience. That was one of the first uh, atheistic things that I ever ever got into. It, it a- apostate my... material. <laughs> yeah, apostate material. Okay. The atheist experience was was one of the first things that I saw from the atheist community, and it was so loving. <laughs> like, really, um, Seth Andrews is is one of the most genuine people sort of out there. So oh, that no, was sorry, really... the, the atheist experience is the one with Matt Dillahunty where he oh, gets sorry. quite angry and yells at people. So <laughs> as, you, as you were saying that, I thought, <laughs> hang on, right, yeah. there's very little about Matt Dillahunty that <laughs> comes across as loving. <laughs> Apparently he's a good magician. That's a... No, you're right, yeah, sorry. The, um, the, the thinking atheist yeah. was one of the first things um, in the atheist community that I stumbled across on my uh, YouTube channel, tra- channel Travels. And he was so nice and so genuine that it, it's, it was a very easy way to sort of ease into an atheistic worldview that people aren't, as soon as you leave God, you don't just become an idiot. Like, you don't just fight for your own survival and, you know, your own needs and things. Mm. You, you do care about other people. I, I spoke to my uncle quite early on um, when I was having a lot of doubts and he said, 
if I was not a witness, if I didn't believe in God, I, I would be an appalling person. You know, I, I would do I would do things just just to make myself happy. I wouldn't care about anybody else. It would just be all about me. And, and I was like, well, I, I don't think I, I don't think I would be. I don't have any interest in in doing that kind of thing. I, I want to make the most good for the most amount of people that I, I can possibly reasonably do. And I'll just make one point. I mean, the, I think the reason Seth Andrews is so appealing, there's several. Uh, one is when he speaks, he's <laughs> he's got this lovely voice. I suspect he's got about sixteen testicles. Uh, secondly, he's an he's an ex believer himself, yeah. uh, and quite passionate about it, uh, or was. And a professional in that field. So he has done 30-odd years of radio broadcasting on a Christian network. So he can relate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, the difference between what you think when you think atheist and what is actual reality within atheists. And and especially, like you say, Seth Andrews with his (laughs) magical tones of (laughs) loveliness. (laughs) He he soothes you in a a loving way that that really does, does appeal to you when you when you have a, a preconceived idea about what, what atheist means and, and what would happen to you if you stopped believing in God. Mm. Well, the preconceived uh, idea about atheism is really what you've been given from your previous community. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, not, in fact, true at all. The, the opposite. When, when people are atheists, they are much more likely to be humanist. <laughs> they, they don't have dogmas that, that allow them to, to look at people in Africa and, and say, well, they've got it really harsh now, but there's a paradise earth waiting for them when they die. So if they die, it's, it's kind of okay. P- people in the atheist and secular and humanist realm go, uh, no, it's not. This isn't okay. We need, you know, we need to take action against this right now because this is all that, that people have got, this one life. So mm. we have to help. And that's hugely appealing to me. I, that's how I, I sort of always was. I was like, I really, you know, although things will be better in the future when i was a believer i used to think this that that it's still not okay that they suffer now because i don't like suffering and you know i would i'd give to charity and be really i don't know i don't want to i sound like i'm singing my own praises but (laughs) (laughs) i always tried to be the best that i could be so to but within within the confines of the system that was there yeah yeah absolutely and you always second guess yourself when you do something nice you always have this feeling of nice like oh, i've made someone i've made someone else have a, a slightly better day you know I, i've made them you know i've given them something they wouldn't have been able to have without me and also hey look i'm storing up treasures in heaven i'm i'm doing something and god will see it and that, and that's great you know that'll that's that's also good so there was always an extra sort of thing but when you step away from that um and you you know that you think you know <laughs> that there's no god you're no longer doing it for that reason you're doing it because you're a good person and that's that's been one of the things that's um sort of helped me through the quite depressing phase of losing uh religion i guess well, let's talk about the depression what are the <laughs> symptoms that have presented there to sum up uh cba i just can't be bothered to do anything like everything is um Oh, just a drag, a drag. That's the, like, I, I think of doing something and I just lack motivation to do it. I don't have any get up and go that I used to have. Um, and that's, that's been, and that, that again, when, once you stop doing lots of things that usually you would do, you then don't want to do other things. And, and then you don't want to do other things and you don't want to do other things. And, and I'm self-employed, so I'll wake up at eight and I'll think, right, get up to work. And then it's, oh, but I can't be bothered. And, and I, I get feelings of, of what I guess is, um, depression and then i don't want to i don't want to do i don't want to go to work and then it'll be 9 10 11 o'clock in the morning by the time i maybe get myself out to work if i do at all and then i can't even be bothered to work when i do get to work so 
then you start struggling financially, I guess. Mm. That's what I'm saying. So it's difficult on a, on a professional level to, to be a professional, to do, to do your work. And then also within hobbies and stuff, like I used to play football uh, twice, three times a week um, with the witnesses. And then, then I stopped when I stopped associating with, um, with them so much. Um, and then I was like, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll join a football league. You know, there's plenty of five side places around where I live. So I'll, I'll go and I'll get myself into a, into a team and, and that'll be cool. And then I never did that. And then I can't be bothered to do it now, <laughs> even though I know it would be good. I, I just can't, I can't be bothered. And I used to play guitar. I, I couldn't put it down. And, and now I, I don't play it anywhere near as much just because I, I'm unmotivated to do so. I'm just not motivated in, in the same way that um, I used to be before I, started feeling depressed i guess mm. when you leave you found you're finding it difficult to fill the gaps yes so to give a brief sort of overview of the way that your social life works as as a jehovah's witness you you go through school and you get on with a few people at school but you never really make an effort because they're they're school friends and you're encouraged to not you're just encouraged to not spend time with them outside of school and so you never do and you never try and build relationships with them but you'll have friends in the congregation you'll have friends that are also jehovah's witnesses and you'll build up good friendships with them which sort of last through primary school through secondary school and they're they they're sort of lifelong friends and you don't have friends that aren't jehovah's witnesses when you're jehovah's witness really you might have the occasional person that you see a lot but you almost wouldn't consider them a friend you don't build the same kind of relationship if as a witness you always have something to talk about with other witnesses so socializing is very easy you you're accepted by everybody as a default you know nobody's excluded from groups unless they're exceptionally weird i guess <laughs> it's it's a very loving community um and then when you leave everything is taken away from you friends that I would I would go and see one of my friends um, religiously once every two weeks, sometimes once a week. Um, he lived half an hour away from me, and I'd, I'd drive up and see him. I'd stay at his house most weekends. You know, we'd we'd go out, we'd do all sorts of things, play football together. He was the singer in my band, and he, yeah, like my best friend. Um, and then I told him that like, I just I don't I don't believe it anymore. And he had he said to me that he he was going to have to cut association down to a minimal. Um, and going from being your best friend to somebody that, that might talk to you if you if you call them up or if they call you once once every three months um, or something is uh, yeah that you you lose everything you, you know you lose the things which are most important to you for me relationships with people have always been the most important thing in my life second only to God <laughs> to, to Jehovah <laughs> so I lost the two two most important things sort of at, simultaneously through having basically one thought process which yeah but by being the only support network it makes for a very unappealing option to leave exactly exactly um fortunately i guess honesty is taught as one of the most important things as a jehovah's witness you you know honesty is is the best policy it's it's if you love people you'll be honest um with them even if even if it hurts them temporarily like for now it, mm. it, short-term pain long-term gain exactly exactly and and you, you there's no point lying anyway because because jehovah will know it all so you may as well just be honest about everything so it instills a, a level of honesty in you and i've always tried to be as honest as i can um and that is something that's now built in me probably because of the the religion and then i had to be honest when when i decided that well when i was convinced that it that it wasn't wasn't correct that so i had to be honest i couldn't I couldn't lie and go to meetings and token field service and hmm. that we'll, kind of thing. It just we'll, wasn't get, we'll get to the field service because that just <laughs> fascinates me. <laughs> but one little point on honesty, there's different mm -hmm. types of honesty. There's being honest to the people around you and there's being honest with yourself. 
Yes. Do you think the Jehovah's Witnesses are really being honest with themselves? Uh, hmm. You- I... I don't. I, I, I'm really thinking about it because I don't want to just make a, a sweeping statement. Do I believe that they believe? Yes. Do I believe that they analyze what they believe against the Bible? Yes. I, I honestly believe that, that they believe that. But when you, you know, when you bring them out of the Bible, when you say sort of, okay, well, let's look at evolution, then they're not honest. Then, then they will be dishonest, but they're, they're lying to themselves. It's not that they're lying to you. They just have this, um, I think it's called cognitive dissonance. I could be wrong about that. Mm. Is that yeah yeah Persu- where, where persuading they... yourself to believe in something that rationally you wouldn't yeah exactly but because it's it's so indoctrinated they they genuinely believe this thing that, that adam and eve were created as humans separate from animal creation they believe this that when they are presented with evidence for it they don't accept the evidence so they're not being honest towards the evidence but they're being honest within themselves if that makes i don't know if that makes sense but did in my head <laughs> in your head that's all that matters yeah. well, apparently so <laughs> so let's let's talk about door knocking okay that was fun because <laughs> um. <laughs> you have you have quotas to meet do you not as a jehovah's witness okay you you have if you don't go out on the field service for one hour a month you get reported as inactive which doesn't have really any consequences other than it's more difficult for you to be promoted to, say, uh, to be a ministerial servant or an elder, which is like the, um, the priests of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They'll look, they'll look back a certain amount of time, and if you've been inactive, they'll say you need to have not been inactive for, for this long. Then there's the, the rank and file, the, um, what's known as publishers, which is sort of people that, that will do at least an hour a month. So there's inactive people who don't go on the ministry, people that do at least an hour on the ministry a month. Most people, as a general rule of thumb, will go out for an hour to an hour and a half every week um, on a Saturday morning usually. So they'll do between sort of four to eight hours a month. And then there is auxiliary pioneers who it's like a, it's like a contract that you can you can pick up and drop as and, as and when it's convenient to your situation. So uh, and they have 50 hours to do. If you say I want to be a regular, uh, sorry, an auxiliary pioneer for the month of uh, December, then in December you'd have to do. Um, 50 hours of ministry. Uh, there's no punishment for not doing it, but it's expected of you. Right. And then there's regular pioneers who statistically, I guess, are more likely to be the ones that are calling on you if it's not a Saturday morning. And these are, um, for a year, you, you dedicate yourself to doing 70 hours a month or the total of 70 hours a month, so times it by 12. And, and that's how many hours you have to you have to do that year. Again, there's no punishment for not doing it. It's not like you'll be disfellowshipped for not doing it. But if you consistently miss your hours, then the elders will speak to you and say, tut, tut, um, tut. You, tut, tut, tut. But, you know, are you, are you okay? Are you still okay sort of um, with, with the commitment that you've made? And they're very loving about it. It's because, because pioneering isn't something that's um, required. It's not, it's not enforced with sort of by a hammer. It's, it's kind of, if you can't do it, then and but you intended to do it to Jehovah, that's just as good. Um, <laughs> but if you but if you could do it, that would be great. <laughs> um, Gives you an easy out. Yeah, I guess so. But because you don't want to disappoint the uh, the, the niceties, the lovingness is um, is as pressurizing as somebody coming and shouting at you, if not more so. So, um, so how much of this have you been doing in your past, and from what age? I got baptized at sixteen, and so I, I did auxiliary pioneering twice, I think since then uh and i was always against the idea of being a pioneer i wasn't always against it uh, it was something that i, I guess I, I developed a, a distaste for i didn't like the fact that there was sort of this um 
slightly more elite publisher if that makes sense mm -hmm. like like we're all doing our best you know these people they've made a good commitment that they'll do this but but why do why do we have to like why do we have to know that like i i it's not that i don't care that people do do the ministry but i don't see why some somebody that's doing 70 hours a month is better than somebody that's doing the best that they can two hours a month if if that's all that, that someone's able to do it's to, to make a distinction between the two which is um the reality of, of pioneering that was that sat against what i felt about god i didn't think that god would um particularly like that mm. but it's it's a good it's a good way of making people do 70 hours a month <laughs> you know if you want if you want it preached then give them an incentive and, and they'll do it okay from an outsider looking in i look at this door-to-door -door sales pitching or the <laughs> uh, the ministry work look at it from a business viewpoint <laughs> have you considered yep. this yeah, absolutely. You're effectively doing door-to-door -door sales. You're selling yeah. a belief system to grow the business overall. Mm -hmm. It's it's canvassing. You know, um, I'm a window cleaner. Any extra Hovers witnesses listening won't be surprised by that at all, because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's that's sort of the default job. As a window cleaner, if I wanted more work, I would go and do essentially the same thing that I would do when I was on the ministry. Uh, and that's that's exceptionally clear when you start doing canvassing. You realise that you are literally going from door to door saying, "Hi, you know, I'm a window cleaner in your area. Do you, you know, would you like? That? Have you got a window cleaner? Would you like a window cleaner?" And it's very similar to you know, "Hi, with Jehovah's Witnesses," and, and we're calling around with this um, try, trying to. They'll say we're not trying to convert people, but um, that's that's the goal. And you know that as a, as a Jehovah's Witness, you do know that that the idea is to get a Bible study and, and to get that Bible study to to baptism that's sort of the ultimate goal and that's that's what they're doing they know that and and yeah they know it, it's fairly business oriented mm. all the same in your work doing the the ministry door to door did you ever have any successes um no <laughs> i was never that diligent with returning to people who showed interest um being younger sort of than most people i was calling on I would, you know, I would feel like I was a bit of a a child trying to tell an adult something. But that's I was always just, you know, here's here's some like I'd leave people um, literature. I would say, you know, here's you know the Watchtown Awake magazine, and um, you know, there's some information in here you might find interesting, um, and leave them with it. I, I felt like I didn't have a place to sort of to force my view on them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I would present information to people, but I was never like, oh, you need to do this. Whereas I, I think that's what, that's what you'd have to do. In order because to get trusted, somebody over the line, to get the it. sale. Mm -hmm. So the, the trick with sales coming from this background is to get people to say yes three times and then ask for the sale. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think I've heard that before. Mm. And when you're pitching a product, you always discuss the feature, the function, and the benefit, turn it into a question so the person responds in a positive manner, and then ask for the sale. Hmm. Yeah. One of the things that's that's taught is um, try and find common ground. So if somebody says, I, I don't believe in uh, God, you wouldn't go to, oh, well, how can you not believe in God? You'd, you'd say, well, looking around at religions uh, around the world, like I completely understand what you're saying. You, you know, you think that God was God was atrocious. Right. And and they would I, they would always respond. Yeah. Religions are terrible. And, and you'd have something to, something to sort of talk about. Let's have some fun with this. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> yeah. You've just knocked on my door. I'll insert a sound effect. And action. Yeah. Hello? Sorry. <laughs> I thought... Sorry. Yeah. Let's try that again. No, never start by apologizing. It puts you on the back foot. <laughs> Surely they would have taught you that at the Jehovah's Witness <laughs> School. To, <laughs> <laughs> but humility is a, is a uh, quality that uh -huh. people find appealing. I don't know. So I'm told. <laughs> okay. All right. So from, from the top... Yes, hello. 
Hi there, my name's Harley. I'm just calling around with the latest edition of the Watchtown Awake magazine. Um, this version of the Awake is uh, talking about God, and is he a God of love? Is that something that might take your interest? I'm interested in discussing it, but I must oh. let you know that I'm an atheist. Okay. What is it that led you to not believe in God? Well, let's pick the topic of the book that you're promoting this season. Is God a God of love? Mm, I, as an atheist, am yet to see any evidence of that. Okay. How do you feel when you look around at some of the beauty of nature? I see it for what it is. I see its nature. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It makes you feel happy inside, doesn't it? Uh, yes, to a degree. Yeah, so I would say that that's, that's a way in which God has proved through creation that he is a God of love. Right. Let me show you the scripture that that comes from, um, and I'll get the scripture from inside the uh, the Awake magazine. So I've opened up the Awake magazine at this point and, and I've pointed to a scripture. And, and I, May I read the scripture to you? I don't actually have it. Would, would you like to come in out of the snow? <laughs> no, we like being cold. <laughs> <laughs> it makes people more sympathetic and they'll listen to us. Right, yes. No, yeah, I'd love to come in. I, we didn't get invited in very often. So, yeah, well, see, they were quite surprised when I invited them in. But mm-hmm. what uh, what they did is exactly what you just did. They wanted to yeah. quote certain passages from the Bible and really cherry pick, like really cherry pick to get to a certain point. And that I found was, uh, we were talking about being truthful. I, I didn't feel they were being truthful to themselves in doing so. Because although you can talk about the God of the Bible being a loving God, there's plenty of stuff in there that just <laughs> proves otherwise using the, the you, same you, literature they've you're got. You're preaching to the converted. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak, I, I I completely agree with you. Um, but one of, one of the books now, they one of the books they gave me was um, how to read the Bible. And, wow, I don't think I've ever read that. But I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, that I may book. be misquoting the title of it, or it's, it's along the lines of how do I interpret what the message is in the Bible? And it's just a way of giving people the tools to provide mental gymnastics themselves to cherry pick. Okay, I'm really interested to see what this um, to see what this is. I, well, you you might be surprised. Yeah, but... I might just pop over to England and knock on your door. Wear a smart suit and tie. You know, scare some kitties. I'd love that. <laughs> I'd probably invite you in for, for coffee as well. Oh, you're very kind. <laughs> Come in, let's talk. Let's talk beliefs. Beliefs, oh, yay, yay. <laughs> I have so many conversations with um, with people that I have to cut off at a certain point because I know I'm, I'm becoming, um, the conversation would be considered apostate. Oh, really? No. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite often. Um, I'm very comfortable talking about science, um, sort of science versus the Bible and, and that kind of thing. But, but as soon as it gets onto morality, that's almost an untouchable subject for me. Mm. See, um, the guys who popped around to visit me, I was really no holds barred with that. It's the best way to be with them. Uh, yes. And they looked really uncomfortable. Like they cracked the cold sweat. But I made sure that they couldn't leave because I'd given them drinks. I'd made them feel welcome. Yep. I'd done, you know, done all the things that a nice human being would do to make them feel yep. welcome. Except I challenged what their own governing rules were, their self-governing rules. And yeah. that was, I discussed apostate material. Yeah. Hmm. They'd probably burn their tongues uh, and get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Just drink that drink down quickly and, and sort of sort of move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you live in a bubble in the truth. Um, it's called the truth. I don't know if I've used that expression accidentally, but um, <laughs> you, you'd call being a witness being in the truth. Um, and it comes from the scripture that says, uh, is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first century uh, Christians called them, them their, what they believed as the way. And then witnesses now say, we live in the truth, and this is the truth. And um, 
and then I guess the, the the paradise earth which is promised for after Armageddon that would be called the life and so mm. I don't know why I went down that tangent but I thought I would so yeah when you're in the truth you live in you live in this bubble and you might think oh I don't really agree with slavery but it was the time you know it, it was just a different time and oh if you want if you want your nation to grow you have to take the captive women of, of the uh, the other nations um, in order to to grow at an exponential rate and you have to have lots of wives and, and that all <laughs> that kind of thing all, all it all gets explained to you in, in a way that's easily consumed yeah exactly easily consumed is exactly it's um you can you can challenge it and and then you can't really challenge those the answers you can't say well it doesn't matter what time it was because what times it was what what the difference in culture was because what's morally wrong is morally wrong right well no but mor- they- see, morality changes over time and it doesn't change at the same pace globally you know in asia people consider it entirely moral to eat all sorts of different animals what we would use as household pets over here okay yeah so yeah no i i yeah i get i get your point um i don't think it's ever really been okay to own a person though uh, or to kill to uh, kill a whole family but of, yeah of see see you're saying genocide. this you're saying this with 21st century morals that the, mm-hmm. the people at the time didn't necessarily know any better you would expect that an all-loving god would know better the laws that they had, though, the commandments, and just the, you know, just use the Ten Commandments, and you can you can see that it's not okay. You you shall not kill is is one of the, the most famous com- commandments. It's that was clearly killing was clearly wrong, mm. but whether the killing of nations round about was wrong for some reason, I guess with twenty first century vision, I, I have that, but I don't uh, want to worship a god that was ever okay with that. <laughs> the benefit of hindsight, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. So I wanted to touch upon education because education is oh, is a really tricky one. As a Jehovah's Witness, you're strongly discouraged from seeking any any additional education other than that which is required by law in the given country. Yep. It's the thing that I resent most from being a witness. I would have loved to do done a um, a university course. I've always loved science and maths, and I, I would have would have happily taken them on at sick form and then gone to sick form to, to university and, and studied something that, that really interested me. I would have, I always wanted to do that. That was like something that I, I would have liked, but it was so heavily discouraged, so heavily discouraged that if, if you were to do it, it would be like ignoring everyone, like everyone that you loved saying, look, you don't need it. You know, go, go, go to college, get a trade that mm. you can use in say construction. You know, I, I ended up doing an electrical installation course against my, will i guess <laughs> i i didn't i didn't want to do it but it, it would would have been useful and and something that the witnesses were okay with so i i did it i did do the electrical installation course but i would have i would have preferred a much more scientific education i think mm. i would have i would have much preferred that i'm a fairly mid-level student i'm nothing particularly exceptional but my little sister who is still a witness is uh, she's she is unbelievably smart and intelligent that must be um, and she had that must be hard to to witness so to speak <laughs> nice nice man yeah no it's it's one of it's one of the things that worries me every day i i don't want to see her make the same mistake that i did uh, i don't want her to have to give up being so much potential you know to, for her she she was like a a stars and a's that's all she got and she mainly a star like a's and i I'd hate to see her just go to sit form and then get a job, you know, in an office doing doing something that that doesn't, that anyone that doesn't do. challenge her potential. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and also she's an incredible artist. You know, she's got paintings up all, all over the house and 
and she she could easily just as easily do that as she could at some much higher education and can i give you a little bit I, of inspiration yeah please there's a gentleman called dr carl kruzelnitsky in australia he's a science communicator I'm never going to be able to spell that. Uh, no, in fact, <laughs> nor can I. But uh, he does. Uh, he has this little saying that it's never too late to have a good childhood. So the things that perhaps a secular person has experienced as a child that you've missed out on or the opportunities mm-hmm. that you haven't yet had, it's not too late to have them. And you live in a country with a good medical system, relatively, with yeah. a great education system, and you have the potential to go and study further. Uh, there was uh, Dr. Matt Hunt, who came on a previous episode. He's a mathematician, uh, yeah. specifically studying uh, wave equations and so forth. It was you know, hard work for me to keep up just with the, with the language he used. Yeah, I remember that. But he pointed out something similar. I was the only one from my school that decided to go on and get a further education. It's not too late. You have yeah. these opportunities now that you've decided to take a little bit of a different turn. Yeah, I, I it's something that um, I do intend. I do intend to get onto um, some sort of higher education uh, within the next two years. But um, I mean, the, the questions you probably get asked regularly are blood transplants. I'm fortunate enough to be, or, or unfortunate enough, to, depending on depending how on you the look situation, at it, like <laughs> um, to be O negative, which is the universal donor group. Oh right. So, okay. so while I can donate blood to anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they'd want it. I can only receive blood of my own blood type. Okay, yeah. I think, yeah, I've heard about this before. Mm. Uh, well, I've had family who have had to go in for an operation and sort of been there and offered to be on standby in case they need to hook me up with the jumper leads and, yeah. <laughs> and top somebody up. <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, it's it's not even, uh, like the blood issue isn't at all to do with the medical side of, of problems or, or blood types or um, potential infections. It is literally directly from a scripture which talks about if the, they only brought certain things forward from the law, um, which didn't include circumcision, and that's why the elders in first century were discussing it. Um, they said there's a, there's a few things, there are only a few things that, that need to be brought forward from the law, uh, and that's that you don't um, partake of things sacrificed to idols um, from fornication and from blood. So it's it's entirely doctrinal why they don't um, mm. why they don't partake of blood transfusions. How are you feeling now that there is no God in your life? <sighs> oh goodness! Um, so about the time that I decided that there was no God, my friend died. Um, he was a very close friend. He was uh, a guitarist in my band. He was only twenty five, and he died of cancer. And this is sort of the worst case scenario that you can you can sort of that I could think of. And it was it was better knowing that there was no God in that situation than believing in a God, allowing it to happen. Um, you know, he had a little brother and, and his parents buried him and, and thinking that there was a God that would would allow that is is it's not as nice as you think. Like to know that everything is, is just it's just the way it is, is, is nice. It's a. Uh, it's comforting in a, in a sense, I mm. guess, um, which may be counterintuitive, but that's how I feel anyway. Oh, well, I'm sorry for your loss. It's okay. It was a year ago. All right. So it's at Secular Lab, thank you very much for coming on and discussing some confidential, top secret material. The good <laughs> so news is that, that nobody listens to this show, so, you know, that's, that's... the secret's safe with me. <laughs> Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been good to sort of vent a little bit. I feel like I've um, been able to open up a little bit about what's happened which is something that i can't usually do outside of text form so thank you for listening oh pleasure all right take care and i'll speak to you on the twitter sphere excellent see you again